This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. More than ever, I am super selective on how I spend my time, whether it's choosing which emails to read or how I get my continuing ed units. I want value for my time and efforts. I'm Shar Beauchart, and I bet you can relate. So when I say I get my CEUs from SpeechTherapyPD.com, just know their speech-language videos and pod courses are practical and totally worth it. And right now, you have the exclusive opportunity to pay less for the subscription than I did. <laughs> okay? Memorize this discount code. It's SHAR, C-H-A-R. Just go to SpeechTherapyPD.com, subscribe, and at checkout, type in what? SHAR, C-H-A-R. You get a $10 discount for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Do it now. It doesn't take long. SpeechTherapyPD.com. You and your speech kids will be glad you did. It's time well spent. Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Shar Beauchart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. No matter if you're a school speech-language pathologist or you work in a clinic or private practice, you have a lot on your plate. And even when I was an SLP in the schools, I never thought of myself as a reading teacher. But there I was, working on oral language, knowing that print language emerges from oral language. Also knowing that there's a definite overlap, so to speak, but not really knowing how to effectively address or support the reading piece. My guest today is going to tell us how to do that. Take note and take lots of notes. Here we go. My guest today is Sarah James. Sarah is an accomplished speech-language pathologist and consultant, seminar presenter, and author. She has worked extensively in the public schools and has a wide range of experience in helping SLPs to connect communication skills with classroom expectations, curriculum targets, and state standards. Currently, she does direct speech-language and literacy instruction, travels and provides many well-received speech and language seminars through the Bureau of Education and Research, as well as privately, and has five language-oriented CEU videos at speechtherapypd.com. In addition, she shares her knowledge and expertise as a consultant to school districts around the country. And to top it off, Sarah was president of the Wisconsin State Speech Language Hearing Association, and in 2010, they awarded her the Honors of the Association. And I'm honored that you're here, Sarah. Welcome to the Speech Link. Hello. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Oh, good. Let's begin with one of my favorite things that I've heard you say. And I remember when I heard it, it was one of those, hmm, (laughs) I need to think about that for a moment. And here's what you said. One can have language without literacy, but not literacy without language. Tell me from an SLP's perspective, what does that mean? Yes, I love that. And I think it's so true. Language is the basis for literacy. So when I see that, a visual that comes to my mind is you can peel away 
literacy and you have language. But if you start out with literacy and you peel away all the language, you have nothing left. Good. Sarah, you have chosen to organize and pattern this hour after the five primary areas of reading instruction, which was compiled through the research of the National Reading Panel. And you're going to address them from a speech-language perspective. Here are the five topics. Phonemic awareness, phonics, vocabulary, comprehension, and fluency. And knowing you, and, and I know you're good at this, I'm hoping that you'll give us the connections between skills in reading development and skills in speech and language development and share some therapy strategies along the way that we can do to help our kids. All right, let's begin with phonemic awareness. Sure. Phonemic awareness, if you have been around since the mid-90s in our field, it felt like the boom of phonemic awareness at that time, like the gold rush of phonemic awareness. Suddenly, it was like administrators were coming back to every elementary building and Mm -hmm. saying to SLPs, you got to get in that kindergarten classroom, get in that first grade classroom, phonemic awareness, phonemic awareness, phonemic awareness. That's what it is. And gosh, by 2001, the National Institute of Literacy had put out the publication, Put Reading First, the Research Building Blocks for Teaching Children to Read. And they came out with those five areas critical for reading competence. Phonemic awareness is number one on that list. And so I familiarize myself with that research that had been based on 25 years of research. And these five that we're going to talk about today have stood the test of time for what students need to read. So phonemic awareness in and of itself is something that SLPs are familiar with, should be familiar with, and it's got components to it that we have in our everyday. So one of the key pieces that I want to bring to the table today is I believe that SLPs already know what students need to read, and it's making specific connections between a speech or language skill and an area of reading development. We're going to talk about five. We're starting with phonemic awareness. That is the key, making those direct connections. So you will hear me talk about, oh, here is the umbrella of phonemic awareness. Here are the language skills that we're already familiar with Hmm. and working on. So I'm going to start where sometimes I would end with phonemic awareness. But what are the big takeaways about phonemic awareness? It's an auditory skill. It's pre-reading, and it's hearing individual sounds. It's an auditory skill. It's pre-reading. It's hearing individual sounds. And there are four sub-skills to phonemic awareness. So hearing, identifying, manipulating individual sounds, also called phonemes, that's what we're talking about here. It improves word reading by helping kiddos be able to sound words out. And so by saying that it is auditory, 
It means we're not going to have any letters or words that we're dealing with. We're just going to be dealing with it in the auditory. That is critical because we don't want to bring in any visuals before we have this auditory skill down. Another important piece to phonemic awareness is that it has four sub-skills to it. So when I hear people talk about phonemic awareness and how important it is, I always say you can't just say they have weak phonemic awareness skills. We really need to talk about four sub-skills specific to phonemic awareness. The first sub-skill is rhyme knowledge. That's what it's called in the research, rhyme knowledge. So we're talking about can you discriminate between rhyming and non-rhyming word pairs? Can you select a rhyming word pair from an array of three or four? Uh, can you look at three or four uh, pictures and say this one does not rhyme? And then can you generate your own rhyme when given a word auditorily? So those are the skills that are critical for rhyme that we need to make sure that kids know. What the research says, though, is don't hang out on rhyme forever. If your kiddo is struggling with it, move on to something else and come back to it. So would you say that those areas of rhyme are in a sequence? Because some kids can pick out, yes, that's a rhyme. No, it isn't. But they can't come up with a rhyming word. And that one was toward the end of your list. Were those in, in a sequence, like from yes. um, simple to advanced? Yes, those are developmental order. Okay. The last one, and this is the way SLPs, I, I like to frame it for SLPs. We know that receptive development happens first and then expressive. So generating or making a rhyme is that top of the mountain skill, mm -hmm. but being given the choices of judging and then matching and then odd one out. Those are those first three steps. So yes, it definitely is in a sequential developmental order. Okay. And are you going to share with us um, a program perhaps? Or, you know, because because we can take these things and kind of generate activities, but I know that there are a lot of programs out there. People go into kindergarten and do a program. Do you have one of those? Well, there are a lot of pre-made programs. It's in the Common Core State Standards. Therefore, it's in curriculums across the country. It's very laid out. And actually... Uh, the publication that I talked about before has very specific activities, um, and I can go over a few of those uh, with you. Yes. Okay. Also, I can give you some tips on how do I search for additional information on rhyme, and what are the best uh, what are the best pieces for that? And are you suggesting that we go into kindergartens and do a special you know, presentation, a special activity in there, or maybe go in and work with the teacher? What do you think is best for us to do? I think that starting in the early childhood years, pre-reading years, that SLPs can share, can consult, can be there for teachers. 
Now, many do like to go into classrooms. If that works for the SLP, wonderful. What I like to think of in phonemic awareness in general is it doesn't have to be like a 30-minute phonemic awareness time. What I prefer is that it's all throughout the day, these different rhyming activities, as we're lining up, as we're heading to uh, Fayed, as we're um, going to lunch, uh, as we're packing up for the end of the day, having different pieces um, and parts ready. So in your own therapy, do you use a program or do you just use what you create? I use what is in my handbook. You create your own. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, I have seen programs and I was hoping that you had a good one. And I used to create my own too. And I see a lot of teachers that are doing phonemic awareness, but they also have the print language up there. And it always concerned me. (laughs) It always concerned me. I'm so glad that you had said that. Even published programs do that. Yes, they do. That is why I make up my own. So that was rhyme. Let's move on to another sub-skill of phonemic awareness. And remember, we're talking auditory here. Syllable knowledge is another sub-skill of phonemic awareness that is very underutilized, but so critical as kids continue their journey of learning how to sound words out and learning how to spell words. So rhyme is critical. Syllable knowledge is uh, is as well. So can they recognize parts of words and manipulate compound words? And so tasks can include things like how many beats are in a word. Um, they can tap, drum, stomp. I've seen all those different kinds of strategies. And why is syllabication important? In fact, I'm going to say I write this in IEPs for objectives. Uh, because I think it's that important. And I don't uh, oftentimes hear kids answer correctly when I say, do you know what a syllable is? Or can you show me what a syllable is? So I don't think that we are using that word uh, a lot uh, in our classrooms. But so top two things, why is syllabication important? Well, number one, syllables change meaning. And SLPs were the meaning people. So right away, that's important to me. And then syllables are important for spelling. That critical spelling rule of every syllable needs a vowel. If we are talking about breaking words into syllables to check our spelling or to follow that rule or to follow a pattern of that rule, kiddos need to know what syllables are. They need to uh, be able to break words and compound words into syllables. Another of the critical skills, sound manipulation. Separating sounds that will make up words and playing with sounds to alter words. So this is kind of the famous, if you have the self for, um, and you did the phonological awareness subtest on that, it's the old say stop. Say stop again without what do you have? So lots of different combinations of sound matching, sound deletion, sound addition, sound substitution, and then that sound blending. I'm going to give you k, a, t, you tell me the word, and you want them to blend it. So we can tell right away, hey, what are we doing? Oh, we're helping them be able to 
uh, sound a word out, and we're hoping that that will help their spelling skills. So the fourth sub-skill of phonemic awareness, onsets and rhymes, R-I-M-E-S, onsets and rhymes, referring to the initial and final sound sequence or syllable in a word. And so when I think of onsets and rhymes, I right away think of, of course, initial, final, beginning, and what makes uh, this easier for kids is if they understand concepts in the literacy context. Now, that's a little tricky for me to say, but concepts in the literacy context. One thing that is very difficult for kiddos is to say, oh, wait, first, initial, what is that sound or sound sequence? Uh, and so teaching concepts in a literacy context is another piece to phonemic awareness and having kids understand that. You know what? I sort of got lost in the weeds there. Would you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So if we are helping kids to sound words out, oftentimes teachers will say, what's the first sound that you hear? K -at. And oftentimes kids, if they say, you get to be first in line, they understand the concept of first or the beginning of the line. But that you can say that same thing to them with literacy, sounding a word out, and they don't know what beginning sounds are because they don't have that concept in the literacy context. Makes sense. Thank you. Yes, sure. So those were the four sub-skills of phonemic awareness. They were rhyme, syllabication, sound manipulation, onsets, and rhymes. Good. In my language therapy, I would do something called the meaningful minute. And about halfway through our time together, I would have them stop and we'd stand up and we'd do something different. And doing a phonemic awareness task would fit right in there. You know, it's not like we would have to spend an entire, you know, 30 minutes on it, but get in there and plant those seeds. Yes, I agree. That's great. Love it. One thing, one thing teachers don't have more of is time. So if I were to come in and say, hey, we need to set a, uh, 30 minutes uh, apart for phonemic awareness, it's like, that's not going to work for them. No, they're not going to be able to do that. No. Now, the next on the list is phonics and then vocabulary. Take it away. All right. So Phonics is number two on this list of five. And what's important here, uh, what I'm going to say is a lot of times SLPs have been working so much with phonemic awareness that they, that they have this understanding that, hey, that's what the SLP's role is. That's what the SLP's role is in reading. It is phonemic awareness. And gosh, you know what? Looking at these five, it doesn't end there. Even though that's number one and it's auditory and it's pre-reading, phonics is critically important and just as important. So what I like to do is say, hey, what are the language basis? What is the language basis for phonics? What are specific skills that we work on as SLPs that we actually have in this phonics area? So systematic and predictable relationships between letters and sounds. That's the alphabetic principle. That is what phonics is. 
And so I'd like to start off by kind of giving a little quiz. And the quiz is, what is the difference between phonemic awareness and phonics? In a word, phonemic awareness is auditory and phonics is visual. Now, I know because I, I've read the research that it's more complicated than that, but it can be explained as simply as that, in my opinion. Yes. So phonemic awareness is auditory. Phonics is visual. So we're pulling these auditory skills and we're putting them into the visual. So phonics improves word recognition, spelling, and overall reading comprehension. That's why it's kind of a big, a big, uh, bang for the buck. So when we think about connections, SLP connections, uh, one of the first ones that I would say, I mean, we just talked about combining or putting those auditory skills into visual. So we have to have the rhyme, the syllable, the sound manipulation, the onsets and rhymes. Um, I mentioned spelling rules in uh, my phonemic awareness talk, and that is one of the biggest connections that I have actually taking spelling rules apart and teaching the vocabulary in them is I think a critical piece for SLPs. Making sure our students don't just repeat that spelling rule, but actually understand it and can apply it. And one of the best ways to do that is to teach that vocabulary. Mm -hmm. uh, another way is the structural analysis of words. So we work on root words, prefix, suffix, compound words, contractions, plurals. That is something, those are all common pieces that SLPs work on. And what I say is you can draw a line from all of those skills right to phonics. Phonics can be the umbrella. They are under it. Well, that's what I really mean by making direct connections. As SLPs, we don't have to write reading goals. We write language goals and use those language skills to build reading. Yes. And you can do that very systematically and very specifically if you have this kind of a connection in your mind. Another piece is related vocabulary, parts of speech, sight words, what they call the NIM, N-Y-N, NIM words, antonyms, synonyms, synonyms. Uh, those kinds of pieces. And, and also we have to have this readiness for them. They have to have the upper and lower case understanding. Those also get, can be considered vocabulary words. And the spatial concepts that I talked about before are very critical in, in this. Now, we all know that there are students who struggle significantly uh, with putting punctuation and following uh, rules of writing. And so by uh, teaching spatial concepts, I think that that will help. And, and here's what I mean. Kids hear things like capitalize the first letter of the first word in a sentence. And so if you're a kiddo who's struggling with language and concepts, hearing first letter first word is not something that is going to be automatically understandable to you. So that automaticity is not going to be there. And they're going to be too busy trying to figure out what letter goes with what sound. I just want to get something down. And so they don't understand then put a period after 
the last word in a sentence. Mm -hmm. So much vocabulary, including the spatial concepts, that as SLPs, we can bring to the table. So the spatial concepts, beginning and end, first, last, but also things like sound, letter, word, phrase, sentence. Those are very critical vocabulary words that we can bring to the table in this phonics area to help those kiddos. That's excellent. This gives us the specifics that we can do to help our kids. And it connects and crosses over into that print language area. Makes a whole lot of sense. Charbochard here, true story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh-uh. The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove two hours to get there, two hours to get home, and now I have to file an appeal? I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of SpeechTherapyPD.com? She said, no. I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, they're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no. Their plans start at $89 a year, for heaven's sake. And then I I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com has scheduled a CEU cruise next summer to Italy and Greece. Woohoo! She said, okay, I'm looking them up right now. And so should you. SpeechTherapyPD.com. Check them out. Tell your friends. You'll be glad you did. So I like to just review as I go. So we've got five areas we're going to talk about. The first one was phonemic awareness, auditory. Second one was phonics, visual, and vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, I mean, and I've said this before, SLPs are the meaning people. This is what is so important to us. And so thinking about vocabulary is thinking about building meaning for these kiddos. So we know about listening, speaking, reading, and writing as, you know, those pieces to the puzzle that are so critical. What I would like to do is have us think about vocabulary in just a little bit uh, of a different way. So follow me here. We, when we talk about vocabulary, we can talk about a lot of different pieces. Um, what I want us to think about is literacy-related vocabulary instructional vocabulary, uh, test-taking vocabulary. To me, when we're talking about making direct connections between vocabulary and reading, that is some oftentimes overlooked type of vocabulary. We are really focused on the comprehension vocabulary of a passage, which I completely understand. But if we take a look at 
those three different pieces, literacy related, instructional, and test taking. So let me break those down just uh, for a moment. So when I say literacy related vocabulary, um, an instructional vocabulary, what I mean is that vocabulary that the teacher is using during her instruction. And we know that just being exposed to words again and again and again and again does not mean that kids are going to be able to understand, remember, and apply these words. That's not going to automatically happen for kiddos with language difficulties. And so when a teacher says consonant, vowel, that doesn't mean these kiddos understand that. And those are critical concepts and vocabulary words for kids to understand and progress in their reading. So when we say things at a middle school level like glossary, index, bold print, italicized, chart, graph, all of those pieces to me are literacy-related vocabulary. They're not the, uh, we're going to help you comprehend this, this specific passage, but they, they will help every class that you take, all of the different uh, subjects that you could take this literacy-related vocabulary, instructional vocabulary that teachers use kind of time and again. So that's really important uh, to me. And then if you think of test-taking vocabulary, and I know a lot of us have heard um, of test-taking vocabulary and the 12 powerful words by Larry Bell and how those originated. So test-taking vocabulary, those 12 powerful words, uh, those are something that have been around for quite a while. So some examples of those are trace, analyze, infer, evaluate, compare, summarize, explain, contrast. You know, that's what I'm talking about in terms of test-taking vocabulary. Now, if we want, if we're working on reading skills, and as SLPs, we know vocabulary is critical uh, for that overall comprehension, test-taking vocabulary um, should be a priority for us because, again, not a lot of people are specifically teaching this. And if we want to kill two birds with one stone, it's direction following and it's vocabulary, both of which are going to help increase those reading skills. So again, when we look at vocabulary as the basis here, instead of just specific words to be worked on to help a comprehension in a particular passage, we really can see how it will float throughout an entire kiddo's day and educational career to have literacy, instructional, and test-taking vocabulary be a priority. Makes sense to me. That slides us into comprehension and fluency, does it not? Yes. Okay. So let's look at, at comprehension here and say, gosh, that is what we do. I mean, this is something that I think all SLPs uh, can can safely say, yeah, we are comfortable with comprehension. It is something that's really important. You know, what are, what, uh, you know, what is the reason that readers read? It's to comprehend. We do not as adults read, you know, for minutes and minutes and minutes without understanding anything. So it's purposeful. It's active reading. The real trick with comprehension is that you have to simultaneously decode and understand. So when we look at it in that way, we can kind of say, gosh, do we think this is a decoding? 
Is this an understanding? Is this a not being able to put it all together piece? So I like to say that simultaneously decoding understanding is something that we really need to know uh, when we talk about comprehension um, as a way to help our kids best improve on it. So having said that, the first strategy on my list whenever I'm thinking of comprehension is self-monitoring. Self-monitoring. We have to be able to help our students to self-monitor. Did I just understand what I read? Yes or no. That critical kind of thinking. Now, this starts, in my opinion, when kids are at that preschool level and people are reading to them. It's critical that when we read to kids at that preschool pre-reading level, we are already letting them know the reason that readers read is to comprehend and understand. If we don't do that, too many kids will passively be sitting and act like read-alouds are a break and that they don't have to engage actively. And so what I like to do with the little ones is have an interactive time when I'm reading a book with them. And so I will ask questions. I will point out big words. I will have them look at pictures. And so I'm engaging them the whole time, teaching them the critical piece of reading is to comprehend. It's to understand. That's why we do it. And so as I'm doing that, I am instilling that self-monitoring. So I love when my little kids will raise their hand and say, I didn't understand that or I don't know what's going to happen next. What do I like about that? Oh, they know they don't understand, so they want it explained to them or they want to go back. Now, the older kids get, they have to be able to do that on their own. And so as an SLP, I have to teach them that. How do I do that? Well, one thing, and this works for auditory, auditorily presented information as well as reading, best uh, strategy uh, that I learned from Fontes and Pinnell was chunking information. If you have to read a sentence at a time and have them answer a question, that's okay. That's where we need to start with some kids. Okay. Who was that? I don't want to interrupt you. You're on a roll. Who was that? That was Fontes and Pinnell. They are a couple of gurus. Ooh, how do you spell it? F-O-U-N-T-A-S and Pinnell, P-I-N-N-E-L-L. So they've got reading levels, they've got guided reading, they've got, you know, their own list of important high frequency words. They are just some people that I've been following for years and years and years. Okay. And so I read a lot of their research. Um, they have a website and they talk about chunking information. And so I really used that as a strategy for auditory comprehension as well as reading comprehension. But that self-monitoring piece, that's how I go about that. I don't want kids reading an entire page and then saying, I don't get it. I want them to be able to critically think, ooh, I didn't understand that. I, 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 don't, I didn't understand that. So to me, that's where I start with comprehension. Now, of course, and if you look in the Common Core State Standards and curriculum, you'll see things like semantic organizing, and asking and answering questions, retelling and summarizing, main points supporting details, uh, all of those, you know, comparing and contrasting, fact versus opinion, inferencing. So all of those are very specific skills that I work on in comprehension as well. 
but where I start and what's very important to me is that that self-monitoring piece with comprehension. Okay. And the next one, I believe, is fluency. Let's talk about fluency. So fluency is number five. So if we're reviewing here, and I might say these in a little bit different order because I'm used to saying them in a particular order, phonemic awareness, phonics, I think we did vocabulary next, and then comprehension, and now we're talking about fluency. So when I talk fluency, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about reading a text accurately and smoothly, not necessarily quickly. Reading a text accurately and smoothly, not necessarily quickly. Why is this critical? Why is it a big deal? And this is what I, I say sometimes when I'm talking to SLPs. Why does it tick off SLPs? Okay. So when I am in a group of teachers and I say to them, I'm going to say a word. You tell me the first word that comes to your mind. I say reading. They say fluency. <laughs> when I'm in a group of SLPs and I say, I'm going to say a word. You tell me the first word that comes to your mind. I say reading. You say SLPs, by and large, 99.9% say comprehension. Uh Because that's what we think of when we think of reading. We think of comprehension. Well, fluency has been a big deal for many, many years. Uh, Fluency readings. How many words uh, per minute can they read at what grade level? That is called a curriculum-based measurement. And that's what teachers do. And guess what? It does a really great job for most kids of telling us, yes, they are doing well. And a lot of uh, research says that fluently reading a piece of writing actually demonstrates comprehension. So that's where teachers and SLPs part ways. SLPs know that there's plenty of kids who what we call word call. There's word callers out there that can read but they do not understand. And there's many different reasons for that. So sometimes we think don't use fluency as a measurement to demonstrate progress because it doesn't work for all of our students. And I completely understand that. But I also understand the criticalness of teachers using it as a curriculum-based measurement. So uh, having said that, what does it look like for an SLP? So the not necessarily quickly thing is important because what happens is we've got some uh, someone out in the hall at a table with our fourth grade boy and he is told go and there's a timer, uh, you know, stopwatch there that someone's going to be keeping track of how many words he's reading. And so he's going to read, you know, as many words as he can, but not be able to answer questions. So that's why I always like to address the speed issue because truly not necessary to be uh, quick, but the rhythm and cadence is a fluency skill uh, it, that is really critical in the flow, proper intonation, uh, you know, and and that's something that SLPs can really relate to. And expression, uh, vocal intonation, feelings, uh, th- that's another piece of, of fluency. But what I like to talk about are what are the specific strategies that we could use Uh, And then I'm going to kind of hone in on uh, one or two of them. So oral reading is is a strategy that is critical. And some teachers um, say, like, read it until you read it right. So sometimes they'll have kids read it three times. The reason that I like to mention this is because there are so many easy ways to record kids, and you don't have to save the recording. But what I think is kids have no idea what they sound like unless they hear themselves. 
So they are not live kind of saying, oh gosh, no, that wasn't very good or that was perfect. They do not understand. They're not in that criticalness of listening to themselves. So they can't improve fluency without actually hearing themselves. And I don't think kids get recorded enough. And so what I do, just like my articulation therapy, I want them to hear themselves so they know, hey, this is what we're going for. This, this is what we're going for. This is where you are. And so by having kids, very young kids, just recording them a sentence or a page of a book, and then having them say, you know what, I didn't really like that. I, I want to do that again. Uh, that is something that I think is really important for fluency. Okay, so Sarah, when they might say that, and you've done this a lot with kids, are they thinking, oh, that didn't sound good, or I missed that word, that was not correct. They're not going to say, oh, my, my prosody was off. They're not going to say that. But they don't like the speed or the clarity. You know, what are they zeroing in on? Right. A lot of times what kids are zeroing in on is how long it takes them because they don't know a word. They start a word. They they say the word again because they didn't know what it was. They're sounding it out. It's just very, for lack of a better word, not smooth. And so it, it is amazing having kids read something three times. Now, we know as SLPs, having familiarity is huge for kids. Right. Absolutely a great thing for them. And so I would rather have a kiddo to gain confidence and fluency skills, read things that are below their level in order to increase their fluency and their confidence. And so that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Good. So that oral, yeah, the oral reading is really good. And choral reading, meaning two or more people reading at the same time, pairs with this great because some kids read so slowly. And so if I read with them and I say, keep up with me, you have to keep up with me. Oh, you can't go that slow. Keep up with me. And then we listen to it. They can hear how slow they are or kids who are so speedy. And I want and I tell them, you have to stay with me. Yes. So those are all to me, speech, critical speech skills, oral reading, choral reading, you know, those uh, things. Now, the other uh, thing that I like to talk about in terms of fluency is the dolt word list or the fry word list, sight words. Can't sound them out. We have to memorize them. So, you know, many SLPs uh, possibly kind of shy away from these or don't really know like, hey, how are these applicable to me? So I'm going to, I'm going to say a couple of things about them. Number one, the research that I have read says uh, between 50 and 70% of most texts are the dolt and fry word list, the first 300. The first 300 dolch or fry word lists, which are the site word lists that most schools use, 50 to 70% of those texts are these words. And so if you think about that in terms of a fluency, fluency helps demonstrate comprehension, and these can be considered vocabulary words. To me, that is a reason for SLPs to work on these words. Yes. So thinking about it in that context. Now, the other context. Um, that can be uh, another reason is when I work with kiddos who have R, L, S, uh, TH, those common sounds, I have the first 300 dolch words, all of them that include an S. I have my S first 300 uh, word list. And so those are functional high frequency words that I focus on with my kiddos who have those sounds. Now, to me, that is really, um, you know, doubly helpful for them 
because a lot of them are struggling with those. Plus, these are the words that kids have had. So, you know, if I'm working with a third, fourth or fifth grader, which I do on sounds that we wish would have been resolved years ago, they have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to say these words incorrectly. And so if we don't work specifically on these words, I hear those errors even after kids have gotten to high percentages um, with other work mm-hmm. on their sounds. Mm-hmm. So the two different ways that I have used the DOLT or the FRI word list, um, and those are my reasons for that. So just how do we justify working on quotes reading and print language? And I know that you have a list, and perhaps you'd like to share that with us that addresses that information. I would like to say why or how can an SLP work on reading? Because to me, this is a, a critical piece in how we structure um, the different sessions or therapy that we have with kids. So why are we connecting language, speech and language skills with reading? You know, why is that even important? Um, you know, how do we have a role? Yes, good question. So I've got my list here. And my list begins with reading begins at the level of the phoneme. So when we talk about the level of the phoneme, and I like to say this kind of jokingly to people, to, to my fellow SLPs, because no one else would think it's funny, but um, not a lot of other professions use the word phoneme. Okay, so that's pretty much our word. So when I see phonemic awareness, right away I'm thinking, that we we are connected, even if we don't want to be connected, because people feel like they have too much to do besides, you know, saying that they're helping to support reading. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we are we are directly connected because reading begins at the level of the phoneme. So another uh, piece on my list here is there's a reciprocal relationship. The research has been talking about this for years. Reciprocal relationship between oral language and reading. So if we look at oral language and we look at reading, vocabulary is that bridge of that reciprocal relationship. So right away, when I talk to people, I say, gosh, you know, these five phonemic awareness, phonics, comprehension, vocabulary, and fluency, what really should be the top of that list is oral language, because that's where it all begins. So we've got the oral language In reading, if you work on oral language, reading can increase. If you work on reading, oral language can increase. That's the reciprocal relationship. And vocabulary is one of the critical elements in that relationship. Yes. So that's number two on my list of how and why. Uh, And again, and and I mentioned this, and I think it's so worth considering this and thinking about the concepts, the literacy concepts, uh, beginning, middle, and end. Those students who continue to struggle um, because they don't know first word, first sentence, first letter, first sound, just to give you all of the different ways that the word first can be used in a literacy context. So the younger that we start these kids with this concept thing, the better for kiddos. And vocabulary, of course, the literacy, the instructional, the test-taking vocabulary, I mean, that's always on my list. And comprehension, uh, of course, is on my list of the how and the why. And then reading is language. Language builds reading. It's important for me to say 
SLPs are in a supportive role in reading, a supportive role in reading. Unless we have the license or the certification, we are not reading teachers. We are supporting reading development through speech and language skills. So making those connections is critical. Makes sense. So if we think about, gosh, what's important from phonemic awareness? So we talked through the rhyme. uh, We talked through the syllables. We talked through sound manipulation as well as onsets and rhymes. Now, some specific information that we can go to. If uh, when I mentioned rhyme judgment, rhyme matching, odd one out, and making rhymes, to me, those are not just skills, but those are activities that need to be considered from receptive to expressive development. And so in the handout, I'm going to lay out the different activities that you that would be available for those different skills. Now, also with rhyme, of course, we've got jingles, chants, poems, nursery rhymes, and overall music. That's really great. Syllable knowledge, very specific skills, such as hunting for syllables. This is a skill to be able to find snow in snowflake or blend snow plus flake what do we have? Um, Or deleting, say snowflake, say snowflake again without flake. What do we have left? So those are strategies and skills which I turn directly into activities. Now, another piece that we have to remember with phonemic awareness is it's auditory. No words, no letters. So when people find activities online, Oftentimes, all pictures will be labeled with the word. So I'm just going to uh, put that out there for you to be careful about searching and using pictures with words. That is officially not a phonemic awareness activity. And sound manipulation, we've got, again, sub-skills to that where we're going to match sounds. Uh, which of several words begin or end with a specified sound. Sound deletion, say cloud, say cloud again without k, what do you have? Sound addition, adding sounds and substituting. So this is a, a more complicated one with directions, but if a kiddo has an intact auditory system, they are able to do it. I can attest to that. Say rain, say rain again, take off. Er, put, what do you have? Pain. Uh, And then, of course, the sound blending. We're not saying letters. That's the number one error that I find with a lot of activities that people are calling phonemic awareness, but are actually phonics. So to me, those are some critical pieces uh, for phonemic awareness. And then in the area of phonics, Having that foundation in your mind that phonemic awareness is auditory and phonics is visual, to any consulting SLP on a case to go to a child study team meeting and be able to say, let's pick apart what they're struggling with. Let's say to ourselves, is it auditory? Is it visual? Is it a combination? What can we 
talk about in terms of why their reading is difficult for them, why they're not succeeding in reading. And so what I wanted to say again regarding phonics is to consider very seriously taking spelling rules right from your curriculum or asking first grade teachers, second grade teachers, third, fourth, fifth grade teachers, what are the critical spelling rules that you expect at this grade level? And you just look at that rule and highlight the words that you think possibly they wouldn't know. For instance, every syllable needs a vowel. I teach every syllable and vowel because those are words that kids do not know. If they can, if they do not know those words or understand those words, they will not apply that rule. They will be able to restate the rule, but possibly not be able to follow that rule. Mm -hmm. You know, let me ask you, vowels can be an issue. And every classroom has pictures, you know, up on the wall and A, the letter A is for A, for apple. And yet the letter A in the English language has what? Six, seven, eight different sounds. How do you address any of that in your therapy? Well, I will tell you, I have just come across something that I like, and it, it's from uh, a, a program called Reading Simplified. And how this particular professional has put it together, and, and I have uh, tried this and, and like it, on a piece of paper, she presents every, and I'm just going to use O as, a, as an example, every O combination that there is available for spelling. And that's how she teaches it. She doesn't just teach O and then kind of down the line teach other things. She teaches all the O combinations, right. all the A combinations, all the E combinations. And she does it. She does the phonemic awareness and the phonics combined. So she's doing the sounds and the letters, letter combinations at the same time. And I will tell you with struggling kiddos in um, second or third grade, I have found it to be something that I like. Now, what we have to also say about phonemic awareness and phonics is we can't hang on to the auditory forever because by the time we hit first grade, we are addicted to visuals for our learning. I mean, and I, I use that term lightly, but I mean... Most kids have to have visuals. And so if they're not getting the auditory, pairing it with a visual after we see that they are struggling, I think is absolutely the right thing to do. Okay. Sounds good. Wow, Sarah, you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I appreciate everything that you've said. You have given us so much information to think about and to do. And I hope that people are able to um, access the resources that you shared. I certainly appreciate it, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Char. All right. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Busy SLP, Char Beauchart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week, become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at charbochart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at charbochart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. 
Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charvoshart.com, and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well, and God bless. Bye.